welcome to Sivako, The Road to Avatar. My name is Sean Alexander and I will be your guide to the world of Pandora and beyond. At the end of this episode is a special announcement, so please stick around and have a listen. Today I am joined by two special guests. Uh, both are returning, but they haven't returned together before, so this is a first time. Uh, Jeff and Matt. So Jeff, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Sean. How are you? I'm doing great. And Matt, how are you doing? I'm very well, uh, if suffering from a wee bit of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, post-Pandora depression, <laughs> depression, you know, sort of dying to get back there and uh, uh, and experience it uh, yet more more times. I'm not sure how many. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got the same thing as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah I right. need to get back in that cinema. Yeah. <laughs> got like, I've got like the shakes going in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it since before Christmas or yeah. I feel like I'm... Uh, it's all blurry in my mind it's not yeah. it's not i have the clearest vision of it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah today uh you're both joining me because we well this is the first episode we're gonna do a big old spoiler sort of chat so this is your first warning guys we're talking spoilers for avatar the way of water so if you haven't seen it by now then you know don't listen to this unless you yeah. really want it spoiled yeah book bookmark this and come back to it when you've seen it yeah big time big time yeah. And I thought best way to do it is, yeah, we'll just talk about sort of big moments in the film that we enjoyed. Uh, if if people do have things that they want to discuss and think, oh, maybe that's something that they didn't enjoy as much. We could talk about that as well. I don't know if there's that much of that to discuss. We'll find uh, out. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why don't we start off with you, Matt? Gish. God, well, this is this is uh, this is very. I mean, to to pick to pick one moment is uh, is 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 very difficult. But uh, I think that most of the moments that really lodge in my mind and kind of tantalise me and make me think about what's going to be coming down the road, you know, in the, in this the subsequent sequels, uh, it's probably the Kiri stuff. Um, I'm thinking specifically the um, uh, her quote unquote epilepsy. Um, uh, when she's connected to the uh, the spirit tree, uh, the Metkayina spirit tree, and she has the encounter with Grace, which I thought was, I mean, only Jim Cameron could pull off a scene where you've got one character played by Sigourney Weaver embracing another character played by Sigourney Weaver, and it just seems completely like everything is uh, <clears throat> everything everything just joins up. You know, it, it, it's it's one of those things. It kind of it puts it in front of you. This kind of this this kind of weird proposition of this. Uh, Sigourney Weaver playing a 14 year old alien girl and Sigourney Weaver playing, you know, Grace Augustine and they, they have this kind of embrace. Uh, and I just thought that was such an extraordinary moment. And uh, obviously, I think that, that there's, you know, the, the thing that really um, uh, uh, grabs me about it is that um, uh, Kiri asks Grace very directly, you know, who her father was. And uh, then that's when things start going wrong. This is this is when uh, Grace has kind of morphed into her uh, her, her avatar form. Um, and then um, you know that, that Grace is, is somehow kind of like pulled out of the encounter. Something is kind of you know something that the, the answer is denied, presumably by whatever power is lurking behind the scenes uh, in in the kind of the you know matter of of or the, or the kind of the. The, the electrochemistry of, of Pandora's, um, you know, hive mind or whatever it is, you know, Awar kind of yanks Grace out of the uh, out of the encounter, and, um, and then Kiri has that kind of, um, you know, quote unquote epileptic uh, seizure, um, and that just sort of fills your mind with all sorts of things about. I mean, the, the way that I thought about it was is 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 if Kiri is somehow an embodiment of Awar, um, then what 
then her connecting to the spirit tree is almost kind of like causing some sort of feedback loop or something like that you know that, that it's, it's kind of it's kind of like meeting like and you know the the the, the two there's this kind of uh it's like it's like sort of you know if you uh you know if you if you bring like ends of a magnet together they kind of repel each other um so you know there might be something like that going on but i thought it was a, just a brilliantly orchestrated scene um and then the other one that, i mean the, well the other two scenes that, that really two scenes that really blew my mind uh, on the kiri front were um when she gets a giant seared enemy to crush the, uh, the the one of the mini subs and and slam it into a in, into you know kind of a rock formation and then the uh, the the sub pilot uh, ejects from the vehicle and while he's ejecting she gets another seared enemy to grab him and, and presumably <laughs> crush him and then you've got like uh, uh, you know Rocco and uh, and uh, Aonung who who were kind of obviously ribbing her earlier on in the film um, just looking at each other like what the hell <laughs> you know <laughs> and um and then the other one uh, obviously is uh, when kiri uh sends the luminous fish into the uh the, the capsize um and the sunken sea dragon um to give the the sullies a kind of a you know a way out you know kind of like a a, a breadcrumb trail i mean i thought that was absolutely I, I was i was looking at this i was looking at that shot where, where um it's kind of this what I'm sure will become an, an iconic shot of uh, of Kiri with her kind of um, angel fish wing type arrangement, you know, kind of uh, a, a fitted to her back, uh, and and you know, sort of casting her her, her hands around and the fish moving in the in the you know where, where she's asking him to go, and I was just completely awestruck by how real that looked, <laughs> you know. Um, and so yeah, I I, I think that she's uh, she's definitely being sort of lined up as a kind of the the, the MVP uh, of the of the sequels, um, and yeah, I, I can see all sorts of things like I mean, are, are the RDA going to try and kidnap her or something like that? You know, because um, uh, pretty soon they'll they'll realise uh, that she's got these um, extraordinary powers uh, of command over nature. Um, but I think. Um, the other stuff that stands out, uh, that really stands out, is kind of from the the, the last hour and the way that the uh, well, it's, it's, you've got the, um, the 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 contrast between the second act and the third act. I think that you've got the second act, which is quite dreamy uh, and very much focused on what's going on in the underwater space and, and and almost these kind of hangout scenes that don't feel like they're necessarily story driven or plot driven. You know that they they're kind of ways to spend time with the characters while the characters are spending time with each other uh which is you know i think is is, is important as as a story that's there as a scene that's there to kind of um you know uh get story uh through um i i just love that that idea of um you know that that the, the, the whole underwater swimming as, as the experiential side of the film as much as the banshee flying was the experiential side of, uh, of the first film you know um, and you've got this brilliant contrast between the the second act with all of this dreamy, beautiful underwater stuff, and then the third act where things just go completely mental. Um, and and I'd say that kind of the pivot point between them is the whaling sequence, um, which I found really upsetting. Um, and uh, it's something that I, I I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen more stuff online about this kind of more more sort of Twitter commentary, I suppose. Um, but I think that the whaling sequence is really upsetting because it's it's uh, it, 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 the way that, that Cameron presents it 
is that uh, he's trying to kind of get you into it's, it's quite exhilarating you know and he's, he's trying to get you into the mindset of the people who are doing this and then at the end he leaves you with the dead Tolkien and uh, uh, we know with all of the the, the, the bags that the inflatable bags attached to it um, and you know the, the, there's the lament cue from um, the destruction of home tree from the first film uh, that's repeated and, and there is that sense of something having been horribly despoiled um, but it is almost kind of on a much more uh, it, it's much more upsetting in, in a way because it's it's kind of it's it's personalized to one creature you know uh, and so yeah I think that that what you've got is this this beautiful um, sense of dynamics between the second act which has got all the kind of the dreamy stuff and then the third act which is much more heavily action oriented with the wailing sequence being a kind of a pivot point and um you know it's kind of like the light parts of the movie make the kind of the the, the heavy bits feel heavier you know and and vice versa you know uh and i think that the way that cameron plays that uh contrast is 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 fascinating so, Jeff, I wanted to ask you, so we did mention, uh, Matt mentioned about Kiri and specifically like about the epilepsy. I, I want to hear from you both and see what you think in terms of, obviously, do we think that's actually epilepsy or is this just, you know, the human understanding for epilepsy? Um, I'm, I'm not sure on that, actually. I um, will... Um, uh side with um what matt was saying there i found kiri fascinating um and and brilliantly played by sigourney um and that bit where she has the um uh you know she she meets grace it goes from kind of quite tender and quite moving um and, and you can sort of feel you know kiri's kind of yearning to want to know more about herself and everything to then quite scary with um you know grace turning into her avatar and then sort of slightly withering if, if i remember rightly before like you said matt kind of being pulled away from her and then it goes in into the bit under uh with water with the spirit tree and um she's seizing and, and all of her um dots on her body are, are kind of flickering and stuff like like a sort of weird skeleton type thing and it was quite a kind of yeah or like a like a busted tube light or something y- yeah and like it was quite, kind of electrical charge yes that's right yeah and it was quite a kind of quite shocking uh quite sort of scary um image um so yeah i wonder whether because my theory is that she is some sort of uh physical embodiment of of awa maybe mixed with grace that you know happened in the the uh failed um you know attempt to put um you know grace's conscious in her avatar body at the end of the first film um so yeah maybe like you said it's a kind of feedback loop of of sort of awa meeting you know her, herself in a way or Maybe there'll be, you know, Cameron and, and the writing team will, you know, pull something else out of the bag that, that we aren't expecting. Um, but I, I love that it wasn't resolved by the end of this first film and that, you know, Jim said that the, each film has got its kind of standalone, uh, you know, story, but there'll be threads that, that hang over. And, and actually it was nice that it wasn't a cliffhanger ending to it all and, you know, that chapter was, was done and, and closed and, you know, the, now we can kind of move forward, but with, with you know, narrative threads th- going through it all. Um, and also, like you were saying, Matt, I, I like the way that, like, f- the first act of the film is sort of 
you know, reintroducing everything and kind of getting us back up to speed. And then the second act is establishing this new world and and, and giving us this hangout time and, and to kind of vicariously experience that the way the characters are before then going into the to the heavier, uh, you know, action stuff. Um, and I must say that the one worry I had about the film going into it really was that uh, the kids weren't going to work for me and I was a bit concerned like why are we sort of maybe taking the focus off Jake and Neytiri who are the, the characters that I'd gone, you know, grown to love in the first film but it, it's that act two like you were saying about Matt you know hanging out with them that's what made me you know really grow to like the kids and, and enjoy all of that stuff and it was so kind of fun and carefree and and just just wonderful which is then what makes that that darker stuff in act three uh, much more effective because you you've grown to care about these these characters and um it, you know that the whole thing is uh is motivated by character you know there's cool action and you know set pieces and all of that but but there's always a character moment going on with it no, nothing is ever just you know for the fun of it because it looks cool you know there's there's always a, a b- bit of plot movement or something with a character or, or even like you know the the guy uh on the tolkien uh hunt you know who, who loses his arm you know that, that, <laughs> that was, was that was extraordinary yeah that, you know, <laughs> that got he, a big roar of approval yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was people that that sort of quietly cheered in in the screening i was in and yeah you know, he, he deserved it and and you Pyre know can was absolutely furious yes yeah because you know, that, that bit when they fire the um harpoon at, at pyrocan and he just he just moves his head and his his um horn thing off his yeah. Horns and, yeah and then it smacks into the does it does it, does it blow up one of the crab suits I think uh, yeah it does, it does or, i think or, or, or it's, it's sends, something like that yeah, yeah sends one flying across yeah, the, flying uh, into the another or something yeah. The boat, yeah yeah um so i've uh, slightly gone off off track here i'm afraid no, i can't remember no. what your um original question was but um uh yeah f- for me uh did d- as a standout moment mm. genuinely the the whole thing like it, i can think about every bit of the film and and something that that i love i loved and that, and that worked for me um but probably the main if if i was going to single it out to one thing i think it would be the relationship it would be the family aspect but specifically uh, Jake with uh, Nate and, um, and Loak as well, because I think f- since I've had kids now, anything that involves kind of, you know, family uh, kind of danger or, or loss or, or, you know, anything like that always kind of really gets me more than it, it did previously. Um, and, uh, and and I think if, if anyone has ever had kind of a, a difficult relationship with a parent, then the the plot line here is something that can be kind of related to so you know i i, I could kind of see uh, uh, and feel a bit you know how loak felt when he's he's trying to uh you know get his dad's uh, uh affection and attention um and, and step out of um you know Natayam's uh shadow but then you know on the on the flip side of that you know Natayam loves his brother and is is looking out for him and 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 sort of trying to you know bring him in a bit more but it's it's all just born out of jake you know trying to protect them and and you know perhaps not doing it 
quite right, but doing it the way he he knows how because yeah. of his, his military background. Yeah, I think that's the, the thing that really stood out um, about the kind of the overall tone of the movie is um, it, it makes me think about what Jim said when we saw him at the Empire event mm-hmm. um, uh, about how. Uh, the, the the first movie is very much kind of you know a classic Joseph Campbell hero's journey that uh, leaves Jake in a kind of an elevated state you know he's mm. he's completely transformed his outlook has transformed <clears throat> his his physicality is transformed he's yeah. a different species uh, and and you know not only that he's Torok Makto <laughs> and uh, so he's kind of ris- he's had this kind of incredible kind of ascendancy to this kind of mythic status. Mm. And what the way of water does really, really brilliantly, and almost from you know the word goes, it busts him right down yeah. from mythic status to a controlling dad with anxiety issues. Yeah, and and he and he doesn't believe the uh, you know the hype that he's been given and the, and that pedestal he's been put on and yeah. you know about being Tokmato and that's that's explored a little bit more in the high ground uh, graphic novels as well. You know, he's he's quite clearly. Uh, it doesn't feel like he warranted it and, and deserved okay. it. Yep. Um, and I was going to say the, the bit when, um, you know, Natayim dies, uh, it was just awful because it was so careless in the way it was done, you know, uh, and, and there's quite a few instances of, of showing, uh, you know, the effects of war and stuff. And, um, it, you know, it just, just little moments. I mean, not just a big fighting, but, you know, he, he lost his life through, you know, a couple of rogue bullets and he, he knew mm-hmm. it wasn't even a big heroic movement or anything like that mm-hmm. and then it was literally as they were trying to bail out of the sea dragon that's it um, yeah and i think it was just you know the, he, he caught a glancing shot that was deflected off a couple of railings and, yeah i think uh, so you don't even really notice it no, initially no. Um, and there's no squib or anything it's, it's only when he's in the water and then you actually actually realize oh you know he, he's been hit yeah and then and then it becomes clear that he's been shot right through and then that's the point where you go oh Yes, yeah, so that's it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, there's a real loss there, you know, with, with him, you know, he, he can't come back, uh, you know, other than obviously, you know, through memories in, in Awa, um, which I'll come to in a sec. But what, what it then did was enable Loak to kind of step up uh, and, and, and out of the shadow. And then, you know, he saves Jake's life. Yeah. And you know, took the teachings he'd had from Soraya earlier in the film and, and brilliantly used them there in, in that moment and I think it, it enabled Jake to um to see him for who he was um, yep, and, yep. and and who he is. And then the the bit that really uh, affected me both times I've seen it, it's such a so silly really, but it's such a small bit, but when they're on um Payakan's uh Finn at the end and he, and Jake says to uh, Loak, I see you son. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is which is essentially, you know, I love you son, which is what oh, he's I been wanting. I can't think for... of that stuff without wanting to cry. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and it, and it's Sam Worthington delivers the line. He is great in this film. Oh, he is. Mm. Uh, you know, and he he's really underrated, I think, because he's so underrated. He's, he's not a big personality on the red carpet and all of that. Yeah. You know, he's he's humble and casual and all of that. But you know, he he plays the dad stuff brilliantly, you know, when you see him with the kids when they're younger, flying them around and stuff. Mm-hmm, and he, mm-hmm. he does, you know, the, the tough dad thing and the, uh, and the tender husband brilliantly. And, you know, the, the, the bit when he says, let's get this done when, you know, when the oh. eclipse is happening and, you know, he's, he's got to go Phenomenal. into the fight and stuff. And yeah, I, th- I think he's, he's really underrated really. Yeah. But yeah. That, that bit with Loic where he, he, you know, he's, he says that to him and, you can tell that's that's like that's all that Loak wanted 
yeah. all along. You know, yeah, well, it's almost kind of like he is recognizing in Loak that 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 Loak is effectively, you know, Torok Makto when it comes to Tolkien's. Yeah, and you know, it's it's him realizing that Loak himself is having this kind of ascendancy, like he once had. Yes, um, well, he, they didn't believe him, did they? Earlier, they yeah. they they thought that the Tol, you know, Payakun was a killer, and you know, don't do it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And now he's seen actually. You've taken to that as as easily as I did to, you know, banshee Torek. riding and yeah. you know, Torek and stuff. Yeah, I think it's so interesting as well because obviously one scene that stands out when when we've been talking about this like father son relationship is the sort of there's like a parallel scenes they have, which is uh, Loak trying to learn how to ride the Elu, and it's mm. Jake learning to ride the Skimwing, and it's the two of them, you know, being hot headed, being like. I got this, I got this, and then immediately being shown up. And it shows <laughs> yeah. just how yeah. much Loak is just his dad again. Yes, yeah. yeah. You you think Jake's got it on the skin wing, don't you, to start with? And uh, <laughs> Tonawari's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, he's, yeah. he's got it. And then Jake's like, yeah, yeah, I got this. And then he gets you know, absolutely owned by it. Yeah, <laughs> I love the bit where he gets ditched and then he kind of resurfaces and you see the skin wing basically flying um, yeah. b- behind his yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, nah, 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 yeah. you know. Uh, and he's just like, you know, in the water looking really you know pissed off yeah. <laughs> um so for me one of the big relationships i want to talk about is that of spider and quaritch mm. so first of all yes surprise spider was quaritch's <laughs> son as yeah. as we all expected i think at the, yeah. by that point and they didn't even try to make some kind of weird contrived you know mystery thing about it it was just <laughs> i'm so glad they didn't I, i'm yeah. so pleased they didn't go the sort of Empire Strikes Back root of it, of being like, yeah. surprise, I'm your dad. Yeah, yeah. When in reality, yeah. sure, like, get that out the way, and then you could actually deal with the actual character. Uh, yeah, you're right, that. yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Get, yeah, you know, explain that, and then we're, we're good to go with everything that unfolds from that, rather than, you know, playing that mystery out over, you know, a, a film or two, which I think ultimately is, is probably not that big a mystery to be... No. To have a reveal at the end of it, anyway, it's you not know. as interesting as a mystery as what's going on with Kiri, and I think yes. you've only got really uh, you've only got space for one mystery like that. Yeah, and and what you get more out of Korich and and Spider is the conflict and drama that will follow from that, rather than yeah. you know it, uh, uh, you know the equivalent of will they won't they you know is he isn't he you know yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think you're right to have gotten it out of the way pretty quickly. Uh, was the right move and it it led to some interesting stuff already didn't it yeah so i think the big moment is that spider saves quaritch Mm. towards the end from drowning yes this is where i I see people on twitter they don't like spider do they yeah so so to me look okay so let's let's get this out of the way i think for me i love what they've done with spider's character in terms of that conflict so not only has he conflicted in terms of like, okay, so Quaritch is my dad. So I kind of like him because he's my dad. And mm-hmm. even though he's not my dad, because he keeps telling me he's not my dad. But also, suddenly you've got this, this shift in a dynamic for how he feels towards the Sully family. Because Nateria was literally about to kill him. Yeah. yeah, And yeah. that the re- repercussions of that like face-off 
are going to come into play in the third one, I think. But, but there's that bit when she's going feral on the uh, on the RDA guys on the mm. boat, and he's watching, isn't there? And he's, yeah. he's terrified. And, and you yeah, know, he, he knows bit... that he has to conceal himself, otherwise, you know, she will just indiscriminately wipe him out. Yeah, but yeah, um, and uh, you know, it, it's made clear throughout the film that she's not uh, uh, his biggest fan anyway. <laughs> um, and and just as an aside, I was terrified of Nateri in that bit in the film. Uh, also, another great. Uh, in a bit of performance there, and, and underrated again by by people. Do you think, as as another another aside, because the actors are you know digitally presented in the film, people uh, overlook the the acting because it, you know you can't see their actual faces and things. Oh, for sure. Like I think you know we've known that for years. You, yeah. you know a- yep. anything since like basically Andy Circus. <laughs> mm. Everyone, every like motion capture performance is you know applauded for how good it is, mm. but it's never to the same degree at which like a regular performance is. No, you know yeah. I think there's perform like motion capture performances out there that are as good as things that have won Oscars. Easily. Yeah, percent. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought Josh Brolin was brilliant as Thanos, and you know, it was a great performance. Um, you I know, think for... my favourite is probably um, Andy Serkis as Caesar. Uh, yeah, yes, in the yeah. New Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yeah. Um, Bill Nighy as Davy Jones, which yeah. is just he, phenomenal. Yeah, still looks great the CG on that. But do you know what? <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. The common thread with all of these is that they're genre pieces, and yeah, that, and that's often overlooked, you know, yeah. by by the Academy for the Oscars and stuff like that. So kind of you know you, you could deliver an incredible performance behind digital you know makeup and just be overlooked because yeah. it was in a fantasy film or something yeah yeah i think which, the other ones that really so... strike me other than the avatar ones that um um you know on, on that kind of level uh which i can kind of considered you know oscar worthy uh, pr- probably billy crewed up as dr manhattan in watchmen mm. just amazing i mean really really amazing and yeah. totally gets the the character the heart and the soul of that character um and uh, yeah, I, I think that um, you kind of wonder what what sort of factors have to conspire um, for a mocap performance to be recognised as it as you know as as a kind of a quality. Yeah, we, maybe they need a, a separate category for that stuff now. You I'm know. against that. Yeah, I mean, I'm really? against that in yeah, I'm against that in the same way that I'm against um, uh, having a kind of a you know animation and and live action film split in the Oscars. I think it's. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of what it does is it sort of silos things off mm. and it works out very conveniently, you know, because like all live action movies, uh, movie makers know that they can't be challenged on that, yes, on that yes, level by an animation yeah. because it's all it's all siloed off. And then all the actors who, who don't use um, who don't go in for mocap will be able to say, oh, this is rather convenient for us because, you know, it, we, we can't be challenged by a mocap performance if it's yeah, siloed off over true, there. Yeah. So I really do think that it has to be a level playing field. Um and and you know Avatar, for example, it's not an animated film because of the way it's it's worked with with the actors. And I've done a little bit of um, you know re- reading about stuff because we we talked, I think, when we were um, in London about you know the the scenes with um, Spider, for example, being integrated into fully you know digital stuff. And and how was it done? And was he digital? And you know and all of that stuff. And and the work on that is is absolutely incredible. But he's he's there and he's he's real you know, and the way it's been put together and everything. So it, it's more than, you know, an animated film. It, you know, it is live action work. And, you know, Cameron's directing the actors and they're on, you know, the, the set, you know, in its minimal form and everything. So, yeah, it is a shame that, um, you know, that these performances get overlooked. Um, but I was just going to say, I, I just made a note here as we've been talking. So 
we were talking about Spider there with, with Quaritch and the interesting thing of, uh, you know, Quaritch is his dad and so therefore he kind of likes him, but he knows he's a bad guy and, you know, what, what does all of this do to his relationship with the Sullies? But there's quite a lot of parallels in the film, both, you know, in this film itself and with, with the first film. And, and so Spider and Quaritch is kind of a mirror of Jake and Loak in a way. Um, and also I felt that... Um, Quaritch's journey uh, in Way of Water, it, it mirrors a lot of stuff, even on at least one occasion, right down to a shot of uh, Jake's in the first films. You know, when Quaritch goes to get the, the Banshee and he, you know, he, he's just going to trank it. And then he thinks, oh, Jake did this for himself, did he? Right, I'll have a go at it. And, <laughs> and the Banshee, uh, you know, screams at him. It's exactly the same kind of shot as when Jake's Banshee does in, in the first film. But, you know, I think, Navi Quaritch is going on quite an interesting journey, uh, you know, to to map, to parallel what Jake did in the first one, and I wonder which which path he's going to take as as it all progresses and where he's going to go. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of that sort of knife edge type stuff, mm. um, you know, kind of seesaw type stuff. Uh, I mean, I actually thought that the, the the spider and Quaritch relationship was almost it was it was quite a lot like the Jake and Quaritch relationship in the first film, in the sense that um, you know. Quaritch was the kind of the bad guy on um, on Jake's shoulder, whereas uh, Grace was the, the the kind of the, the good you know the angel on his shoulder. Yeah, um, and he was kind of being pulled in 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 those two sort of directions at the same time. And uh, and what you got with Spider is he he obviously I mean I I could tell in that that Banshee sequence where uh, Quaritch goes after the his 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 ride. Um, that 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 once he'd, he'd kind of come up from the cliffside and and it, it, everybody found that he hadn't actually tumbled to his death yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and been thrown off the banshee. Um, uh, Spider was actually quite impressed. He was yeah. he was visibly impressed. He was and, and yeah. almost like you know like like that there was a kind of um, my dad done good type thing. Yes. Um, and I think that the the him him rescuing Quaritch was really. Um, he he was less he was listening to his own sort of better angels mm. uh while at the same time you know I, I, it's almost like he kind of brought him up to to kind of okay you know I, i'm i'm not going to let you die but by the same token um once you kind of revived and you're sort of slumped there on the on the the, the rock formation um kind of gasping a bit um looking a bit sorry for yourself uh, i'm going to make it clear that, that i'm not impressed by what mm. you've been up to yeah. you know but then Quaritch wanted him to come with him, didn't he? He yeah, held his hand yeah. out to him and stuff, mm. and, and you can see that bit was uh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's such a subtle little moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, where Quaritch says to him, "Son," for the first time, but actually yeah. means it as in like, "No, mm -hmm. I'm actually I treat I see you as my son now." Yeah, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's almost as impactful as that. I see you from. Yeah, from it is. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a you know development for you know for Quaritch there because earlier in the film he says, you know, I, I'm not the same guy. I, I have his memories and and things, and that's interesting in itself. Yeah, because my initial thoughts were going to be, you know, it's just. It's just Quaritch just you know dumped in a new body, but maybe it's not as straightforward as that, you know. And and you can see things in the the way he talks and behaves that he's he's not quite the same, you know. And he's yeah, yeah. he is he is a little bit different. So um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I wonder where he's he's going to go in in the other films. And yeah, um, I thought it was uh, quite interesting that that he initially didn't have uh, any memories of his own death, but yeah. they kind of worked out a way of putting that in there by him viewing the dash cam footage from the amp suit 
so that he essentially he, he he was able to kind of see from his own you know his own previous body's point of view yeah uh, what it was like to to be killed you know uh, in that way so it's almost like he He's kind of at one remove from that moment, but he has internalized it. Yes. Um, and so he does He does know about... Um, uh, Mrs. I mean, like, Sully. Yeah, Mrs. Sully, you know, yeah. the, the batshit crazy wife and all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but because he's at one remove from it, um, you know, maybe that gives him an opportunity to not be defined by it. And um, and I, I, I think that there's, there's, there's a quite interesting scope there for him to uh, realize that perhaps he's been used as a kind of a pawn by yeah. you know sort of the higher up civilians that he detests uh, <laughs> in the RDA and that maybe there you know that there is some scope there for him to rebel i mean it's interesting we know are they going to go that way or are they going to go in, in in more of a sort of a uh, obsessive um, obsessive nasty villain type way you know yeah. is he, he going to double down on on the kind of the, the the stuff that we don't like about him um uh it's yeah that, that's sort of fascinating I, I feel like um like cameron said this this film was kind of the uh the entree yeah for the meal and now three and four and five are going to build upon this and i think that we're going to go off in directions that we didn't expect and you know, Cameron's always done great villains and, and great heroes. And I I think Quaritch becoming kind of, like you just said, Matt, kind of doubling down on his, his revenge and all of that, I think it would be a bit a bit obvious for that to happen. So I yeah, think me too. I'd like to think it will go some way different. And I'm also intrigued by the next film, uh, supposedly focusing on what, what Cameron's calling the Ash people. And yeah, that's him, fascinating. Him saying, we've seen good Narvi, but what happens when we see bad Narvi? Yeah. Um, and, and already that's, you know, another development in things and it's it's mixing stuff up. Because I've seen a few people complain that Way of Water is, you know, the same as the first film. And you know, like I, I, I've got absolutely no idea how anybody <laughs> could think that. No, it's, it, it, it's not the same <laughs> at all. You such know. a different movie. Yeah. It is such a completely There's parallels, but yeah. you know, they, are, they are character-led. And yeah, it, and there's it's parallels not... and motifs and yeah. refrains that are kind of, you know, little bits and pieces like, you know, repeated shot um, compositions. But, but there's like reason that. for all of that, yeah, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and like but, you said, but fundamentally, you... it's a really different kettle yeah, of fish. It, it is. And, you know, you people will watch Star Wars as part one, two, three, or whatever. Well, that's the same here. You know, it's it, when we yeah. watch these all together. You know, it's it's going to be one big long story. Yeah, um, it's going to be a glorious tapestry. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm so excited for all of that. But um, yeah, back back to Way of Water. We we've got years <laughs> worth of uh, you know adventures to come. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, for me, another moment that I thought that was really good, and Matt, you mentioned it earlier, is, it mm. was that Tolkien hunting scene, and I think that, to me, it's definitely the most impactful, and I think yeah. as well, it's that, as you said, it's about that build-up from the fact that we see Loak building a relationship, you know, building a relationship with Payakan, and also seeing, you know, the Metkayina with their relationships with all the Tolkien, and how it's, yeah. You know they're they're on a level playing field. It's not a pet and owner relationship. It yeah. is we yeah. are we are brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think what happened with the uh, the the whalings. Yeah, I think I think what happens with the whaling sequence is that it, it, it's happening kind of in the immediate context of the Tolkien homecoming sequence, which I just thought was absolutely lovely. Yeah, just absolutely lovely, where all the Tolkien come back and then they're hanging out with the Metkayina and they're mm. swapping stories and all this sort of stuff, and it's like these are sentient beings. Yeah, you know. 
And do you know what else I, I was lovely? Sorry, it was uh, Loak with with Pyrocan. You know, at one point in the film, I thought we're watching a a blue alien boy talking in subtitles to a giant whale, <laughs> and and I am I am here for this. Yeah. And via you know, alien sign language, by the yeah, way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. papyrus font, you know. And um, <laughs> and I thought Pyrocan had a distinct personality, and I loved the bit when um, it, he he lower got him to, you know, he held onto the fin and got him to swim. Yeah, he was going faster, and then you, you know he he blasts up out of the water and and, and lower flips off and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. you know he says to him, "We're friends," mm-hmm. and I just I thought. I can't. I can't have a, a cry over, you know, a giant whale. And <laughs> but, but there you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God for three D glasses. But it, it was it was beautiful, and and yeah. that, and also a special um, note for Simon Franklin's music. I've, oh, I've listened amazing. to the score on repeat since I got it, and the and the Pyrocan track uh, is is just beautiful with the cello, and you know, it it just they they both you know, more parallels with, with those two characters. And, and I hope we see, uh, you know, Pike and again in, in the other films, I, th- I thought that what they had was just great together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm quite interested in who's going to make Pike hands uh, tux for the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll just get overlooked because he's yeah. digital. <laughs> yeah. No. But he'll have a nice seat in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. The entire auditorium. Yeah. 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 They'll stick an aquarium in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, is there another moment that you want to highlight? Gosh, um, I I think that the the Jake and Natiri killing spree uh, on the Sea Dragon uh, warrants some. <laughs> yeah, that was badass. Yeah. It was it was full uncut, pure badass. Um, yeah. and uh, I, I I thought that was remarkable. Um, the the music track for that is called Bad Parents, which okay. I think is quite apt when <laughs> very <you> know... <laughs> apt, very apt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it it was um, uh, that they'd kind of snapped, mm. and uh, you know that that their their kind of higher brains had just gone completely offline, and they were uh, completely fixated on um just the job of of absolutely rinsing these people yeah. um for for everything they could get. You know, it was just uh, it, it was it was remarkable. Um, it, it was kind of um watching a a fantasy um fulfillment type thing you know as as a again as a parent you know if anything ever happened to you know one of my kids you, you know you, you you have sometimes have these sorts of well, what, what would you do in a yeah you know when you're watching a film what would you do if if your kid was taken or you know whatever and and you, oh yeah you know I'd, I'd be like liam neeson in taken or whatever you know That's the it. Tr- truth is none of that would happen but you know but so seeing them kind of going you know, out for revenge like that. You know, yeah. was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, putting myself in, and, and I think anyone in the audience, parent or not, can put yourself in that mindset and think, oh yeah, you know, I, I see where they're coming from and why they're doing that. And yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a rage of, you know, loss and you know, revenge and you know, all sorts of stuff going yeah. on. It was a it was a great sequence. Yeah, yeah. I think what really um, did it for me, and that, it, it's something that can be said for the, the film as a whole, actually, is that. Uh, you know, this is a scene that took an awful lot of um, technical acumen to create, mm. and uh, you know everything that you're looking at pretty much is 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 pixels uh, on on you know some level or other. Yeah. Um, but it taps into something that's completely primal, and I think yeah. that's what's so great about both the Avatar films that they're these kind of high technology creations, 
um, that that really feed into and, and tap into and harness uh, primal responses and reflexes. Yeah. Uh, and I think that kind of goes that that kind of goes all across the piece. Um, yeah. Well, if you don't care about the characters and you can't relate to them, no matter what they look like in in any film, it, it's it, it's irrelevant. It does it doesn't matter, yeah. does it? You know. Yeah. I mean, when I saw it for the first time, people were was you know getting up to leave at the end and stuff, and there was a lady a few rows in front, and I don't know whether she knew the people in the row behind her, but she she stood up and she she was they were chatting, and I heard her say, "I've been crying for the last twenty minutes." Yeah. You know, and and you know the, there was a number of other. You know, remarks as I left the, you know, the, the screen like that, and people chatting and things, and you know, I think people are, you know, they are connecting to the characters and, and getting moved by it, and hundred percent, hundred percent, it's great, you know, yeah, to have that kind of emotion in it. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching the first one. I mean, I was completely, I was a soggy mess from mm. the destruction of Home Tree right the way through to the end. You yeah, know? and this is you're talking about going via some of the most uh you know kick-ass action stuff that's ever been committed to to film and uh and i was just i, I was uh, i was just a mess all the way yeah. through and, and it was the same with the last half hour of the way of water um yeah. that, that there was this uh um incredible layering of of action scenes um which i thought was done so so well yeah. uh the way that 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 you know one sequence kind of slipped into the next um uh, 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 i was just i was i was bowled over and and awestruck and at the same time deeply deeply affected um yeah. and uh yeah i mean i i think that um i think there's this uh, i i really like the uh, the the opening of the movie as well you know in terms of how uh you you get that that sense of you know it's that that very kind of um it's almost like a montage kind of digest of, of how yeah. their lives have been panning out since the, the humans departed. Uh, and then when the humans arrive again, the way that it's um, done from Jake's point of view is kind of, a, there's another star in the sky. Yeah. Uh, that is a very kind of primal, um, you know, he, he's almost kind of like watching the sky, but a kind of an animal um, intent yeah. uh, and, and scrutiny. And, uh, and then, you know, it's, it's by seeing another star that he realizes that the humans are coming back. Uh, and then again, there's that that sort of feeling of um, of something being horribly despoiled when all the starships uh, descend and use their thrusters to well, you know blast away the yeah. uh, the, the forest and they're and... coming to um, Pandora because they they you know they've destroyed Earth and it's uninhabitable yeah. so they're coming here to just take it for themselves and um, in the high ground uh, graphic novel uh, General Ardmore is in it a bit more and, oh okay uh, interesting she she, she says to them um you know we, we'll we'll something along the lines of get you to sign over that this place belongs to to humans and anything it, it's well it doesn't but the audacity to come in and yeah. just be like yeah we're taking it but you know they're coming here because they've wrecked earth or we've wrecked earth and then like you just said matt the they're landing their ships and just decimating everything yeah. underfoot Basically strolling in there like they own the place. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and, and then wrecking it all anyway. Yeah. To, so they've come from somewhere that they've wrecked. They come in somewhere new that they've wrecked, you know, and they're yeah. wrecking it. And, um, it, yeah, I, I just think, um, you know, we are painted so badly in the film as a race. 
Yeah. Uh, justifiably so. And like you were saying about the, the Tolkien hunting s- sequence, you know, when I saw the film second time, I could kind of take things in a bit better, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it is a lot, you know, first, you know, for, for days after it, you know, my, my head was kind of buzzing with, with thoughts and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's an awful sequence in that, you know, that stuff happens and, you know, it's, it's painful to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. So the, you know, humans coming in and uh, just thinking they can take the planet and do what they want with it is, yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, so it's, it, it, the way that it, the way that it sort of pans out is that, that, so it's a year, it cuts to a year later after the humans first, first, you know, re, yeah. Return. And that's what um, and, high and ground that, covers. Sorry. Okay, cover, yeah. yeah. High ground covers some of what happens within that year. Yeah. I think but in that year, humans had managed to kind of, find out enough about Tolkien's to know that they have this uh, fluid inside them, this mm. serum inside them that can stop human aging. I mean, you must have, you've, you've got to wonder like what process they went through, you know, what kind of horrible butchery yeah. they went through in order to, to find that out. And, uh, you know, it's when you sort of start to think about things that have gone on behind the scenes is it, it, it's, it kind of adds dimension to yeah. what's going on in the scenes. You know, Do you know that I was thinking actually that that would be uh, a good uh, in a comic or novel or whatever, but to see how um, you know the humans discovered Pandora in the first place, and that it yeah. was, you know could be habitable for them and stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes I think you get spin-offs and stuff, um, and and you know you think I don't think we needed this. I'm not interested enough in this prequel or yeah. you know this character having a side you know project or whatever. But that that would be quite a good thing, not not for a feature film, I don't think. But you know, to see it would you know, be a good graphic novel, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it would work well for that. Yeah, yeah, the whole idea of uh, you know who who were the prospectors, mm. what planets did they look at? Yeah, you know, at, and then you've obviously got um, you know someone who's in charge of deciding. Yeah, yeah. Pandora is the one we're going to go for, and then once they've decided they're going to go for it, what was first contact like? You know. Yeah. Uh, once they kind of barged in uh, for the first time, yeah, yes. I think that would be amazing. That yeah. would be really amazing. Um, what did you guys think of Loak and Soraya? Also, I've got an alarm going off in the building here. Uh, it's because it's a Wednesday. I, I'm all right. I'm not. It's not burning. Um, yeah. What, what did you think of of Loak and Soraya? They they uh, had eyes for each other from uh, the moment they first saw each other, didn't they? Yeah. For me, I really liked that relationship yeah. and how it was developing, but they didn't take it all the way just yet yes because, you know these are still kids they're still finding themselves and obviously that you know we've already got a lot of other story going on yeah yeah to throw in a full-on like romance as well on top of it would have felt like you're rushing things way too yeah. much and i feel like we're going to just see that develop over over the next few films as well yeah. and saraya for me is like one of the ones i'm super interested to see where they go with her character because she's very similar, like her role is similar to what Natiri's role was in terms of the first movie. Yeah. But I think the characters themselves are quite different. And mm-hmm. especially how they sort of handle, you know, Saraya's a little bit more gentle touched with Loak than yeah, uh, yeah. Natiri was with Jake. <laughs> yeah. In terms of learning the ways. And I'm, yeah, I'm just curious to see where they take that character. And, and I think, uh, is it Bailey Bass is the actress? Mm. And I think she's fantastic right. in it. She was so yeah. good. Yeah, she, yep. she's such a kind of gentle, soulful character, and you know the stuff she was saying about the way of water and that that whole kind of monologue she has that then Loak quotes back to Jake later. You know, even though she's a, a young character, she's got this 
this knowledge and this connection to everything and 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 I think that's why she has a you know a good good friendship with uh Kiri as well you know because she I think she finds her interesting yeah there's a lot of kindred spirits type stuff going yeah. on there um yeah. yeah there's almost like a kind of a, a, a sort of burgeoning sisterhood yes um, oh, I, I just remembered another bit that i liked um which is when uh the the boys have had that fight over kiri <laughs> and and uh jake then tells you know like to clear off you've done enough and then he says to natalia how did the other ones look and he says worse yeah and he so says, much worse yeah and, and he says that's good that's you know good. <laughs> that's good get out of here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, just it's just awesome. a lovely little moment. Yeah, yeah. That brings me back to you know it was something that I saw on Twitter, and I think you both probably saw it as well, which was this talk about Jake and him being like a bad parent, and there was a whole like discourse about about him and obviously him being like a military background. Yes, I think I commented on that, and uh, no one replied because oh. probably because I was. Spitting truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, because basically, so um, I think it was the pop culture detective. I think it was, or someone who was basically went saw, saw the film and was like, "Oh man, I really don't like how patriarchal the role is in terms of Jake and him being like so hard on the kids and trying to like have this sort of American nuclear family." But then, when you consider like Jake is, yeah, he's from a military background, and he's yeah, like he's basically grown up like spent nearly half his life almost as an avatar at that point yep 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 because obviously he he was what in his early 20s it's then been what 15 years that's Mm -hmm. a long time and then suddenly yeah like obviously even though he's integrated into uh, the navi but he's not fully there yet and he's still got this sort of like thing of being like i'm still a a soldier i've still got to protect and it's still those values he still remembers yeah i mean he's kind of of proven wrong but that that he's like proven wrong that's not the way to do things in a way yeah i mean he's drawing on what he knows i mean it's strange this this whole discourse the 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 jake discourse uh which has been um you know sort of bubbling under and then the, the spider discourse which has been you know sort of the the, the major kind of uh, uh being in people's bonnets it just sort of reveals to me that most people who comment on pop cultural things don't understand drama <laughs> <laughs> they they understand kind of uh they're coming at everything from this sort of position of sort of ideological purity. Mm. And what they don't understand is that if you don't chuck in, um, you know, sort of flaws like, you know, Spider kind of dithering about whether he, you know, likes being with an RV or whether he likes hanging out with his dad and torching villages or whatever, uh, which he obviously doesn't like, you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, says one or two words about that. He actually says, this is wrong. You know, this is bonkers. Don't make yeah. me do this again. Um, you know, uh, uh, with so you know, uh, and, and then Jake with his um, with his his sort of controlling dad issues. I mean, this is this is this is why you do this stuff. This is you know, the, 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 the kind of the flaws are why you do this stuff. I mean, yeah, well, they're not interesting about... if they're not flawed. And yeah, and, you know, sometimes in drama uh, and film and whatnot, you you get given not what you want but what you need because you might want you know a happy ending. But it's not as interesting as, as there being a drama and difficulty getting there. And it's got to be difficulty. Yeah, it's got to be. And and also I think, you know, people are talking about the Spider and Quaritch stuff and how long's the film been out now? A couple of weeks. You know, it's that conversation is, is still ongoing and you know, it becomes a talking point whether people are, are for it or against it. I mean, sometimes I think people kind of 
look at stuff and try to find things to kind of be angry about. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and you know, turning something into something it's not. But you know, I think it's good to have conversation because it shows that stuff has affected people and, and mattered whether they liked what happened in, in it or not. And I don't think Jake's a, a bad dad at all. Uh, you know, going back to what I was saying, you know, earlier, I, I think, you know, he's, he's tough uh, on the kids uh, and, and, you know, has these worries about, you know, he, he doesn't think he's, he's good enough. He doesn't think he was good enough to be Tarek Makto. And, you know, he, he, he's, his job is to protect them. Uh, yeah, and you know he's he's worried about that, and he's terrified of of the humans coming back and taking everything that they've they've built. And you know, at the end of the film, he's he's proved right, you, mm-hmm. you know, in all of that. But no, I don't think he's a bad parent. Again, I think it's a it's a character journey, and you already see that with, yeah. with the way things change with light. Like I was saying, I see you, son. Yeah, you know, he, he's gone from. You know, he's he's not violent towards him at all. No, but, at you all. know, he's he's verbally tough, and you know, mm-hmm. like uh, you know when I started my filmmaking work, you know, my dad didn't think it would get anywhere, not because I wasn't good at it, for, for example. But it's like me it, and my writing. Yeah, it's a tough thing to get into. Uh, and, and there's that worry, you know, my dad, uh, that worry of, well, you know, maybe, you know, you should just get a, a proper job, you know. Um, yeah. and, he, and he was tough on me about it, you know, and, and it yeah. wasn't, but you know, uh, because he didn't love me. It was the opposite, you know. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. just, I, I think sometimes people don't quite know how to, articulate things and express yeah. things and yes yeah, so and no I, I don't think at all that jake is a bad parent yeah yeah you know? yeah totally and, i mean i i if, if i particularly in my late teens um if i was ever sort of underachieving in dad's views you know i'd catch hell mm, yeah <laughs> you know? and, and there is an element of you know you, you've got to let your kids do what what they want to do and live their life and stuff like that but it, you know you've they've they've got to you, you want them to you know stick to a path and do well and be happy and, and all of that and you know i think uh you know like you like you said you know you, your dad would, would give you hell if you weren't doing great but yeah because you know he's he's got your best interests at heart um because you know the the alternative of you know failing and going off the rails you know when you're a teenager you, you think you know everything and you've got the world in you know under control but you, mm-hmm. your parents they know what it's like you know, yeah, and they that's know. Such a yeah, they know. Sort of, thing to say, they know about but, the twenty yeah. years that are ahead of you more yeah. than you do in a way. Because yeah, you can't uh, really conceive of anything. I think teenagers have this 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 really uh, interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, their perspective is very much siloed in a permanent now. Yeah, uh, and you know that that that's what it's like to be in, in your late teens. You know, sort of everything from sort of sixteen onwards. It's kind of you you're very much in that kind of permanent now mindset. I mean, you know, yeah, I think, and and also you you've got that kind of uh, indestructibility mindset as well. You know, uh, and the only thing that I mean, the only thing that um, really sort of burst that bubble when I was uh, at that particular stage. I mean, I suppose I was about I, was, I think it was about seventeen, eighteen. Uh, was when a um a friend in who, who I'd been at school in the same year with um he died of meningitis right and it's like almost like um <clears throat> all of a sudden like everybody in my school year who'd kind of gone up to sixth form uh uh you know all the people that I knew um that that knew him we all suddenly started to feel slightly different <laughs> you know because it, it's it's unavoidable in a, in a situation like that but um you know it, you have that kind of uh you know you have that kind of it, 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 it's it's just it, it the cockiness gene is something that's kind of built into the teen experience yes yeah, yeah you know <laughs> it's just part and parcel of it. it it's part and parcel of kind of you know testing boundaries you know 
And I mean, I know, I know an awful lot of dads uh, of, of my dad's generation who are kind of like Jake is in the way of water. Mm. And I know an awful lot of dads in my own generation <laughs> who, yeah. are, who are uh, like Jake in, in this film. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, and I, you know, I'm the same with my kids, you know, to, to, to tell them off for something uh, or, you know, be, be annoyed about something and then think afterwards, actually, you know, that was silly. I, uh, you know, didn't need to be annoyed about that, but mm. you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot going on and you're trying to do the best for your kids and, you know, guide them in the right way and stuff. And, yeah, you know, yeah. so no, I, I, I don't, but you don't always get it right, you know, and, and no, I don't think Jake's, uh, you know, bad parent at all. And also like you just said, Matt, you know, when you're a teenager, you kind of push the boundaries and you can see that with the kids when they go off into the, mm-hmm. into the, uh, you know, the jungle and, um, you know, they, they find, uh, do they find a helicopter in this one? that's hanging in the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and because uh, uh, there's a bit of that in um, High Ground, some of the stuff in High Ground happens in the film as well. So it's it sort of showing you, it, not like repeating it, but yeah. like, the first book is um, kind of filling you in on stuff a little bit more. Like it, it tells you that Kiri is the only person that Jake ever met that just said hello to a banshee and could ride it. You know, didn't yeah. have to fight with it or anything. It's just again her her connection with Awa. Um but you know the kids go off and do you know essentially dumb things, and that's what lands them in in Korich's hands in the film, isn't it? You yeah, because they've been in the woods at that point, and yeah. if they hadn't done that, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean, just look yeah. at uh, I mean, the, the, you know, this is not sort of unprecedented in Cameron's work. I mean, if you look at uh, you know Edward Furlong as John Connor in Terminator mm. Two, and if you look at uh, Elisa Jushku as uh, Dana in True Lies. I mean, they're kind of real off the hook uh, teens. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, John plundering uh, uh, loads of cash from uh, ATMs using some bizarre technical implement that I haven't been able to work out. <laughs> Anyone ever make one of those? Um, and and you know, Dana kind of you know cruising around on uh, you know her boyfriend's bike and yeah. um, you know ripping off her uh, her, her you know That's her, her dad. Fan, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, this is this is all you know. This is the it, it, the the only way that you sort of figure out the the right way to go in life is if you kind of um, stumble into the you know bits of the wrong ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, thank you both so much. Uh, where so Jeff, uh, where can people find you if they want to catch up with you? Yeah, uh, so I'm on Twitter at at Jeff Cockwell, which is G E O F, and I also run a Doctor Who podcast called Who Corner to Corner, and our Twitter handle is at Who C Two C, letter C number two letter C. Um, we do episode reviews and talk to other fans and talk to people from the show as well. So if any Whovians are listening, do check us out. And Matt, where can people find you? I'm very simply at at MJP Writer amazing and yeah both thank you so much for coming on i look forward to having you both on again in the future i'm sure you will come to me with loads of other topic ideas yeah Uh, (laughs) and yeah thank you all for continuing to listen into the new year as we enter the avatar the way of water era of sibako road to avatar so thank you all for listening and goodbye And now for our special announcement, Sivako Road to Avatar is now on Patreon. So if you want to support the show and get a little bit extra content, you can go over to www.patreon.com slash avatarpod. There are three tiers, an Elu tier, a Skimwing tier, and a Tolkoon tier, which all have their own unique things that you can get involved with and uh, some extra content to listen to. So why not sign up 
show your support and yeah, I'll see you again soon.